Hello, loyal followers. We are back. It is episode 23 of Law School in Brief. I am your host, Megan, and joining us is it's Lydia, it's who me. can't stop I, laughing. Sorry, air horns, they get me. I'm crying. They really, like, I really <laughs> like air horns. <laughs> So we decided oh. to start our episode with uh, the rap air horn on an app called Ham Horn. Um, Lydia, why did we do that? Oh, okay. Um, I have recovered. <laughs> In light of the um, oral arguments assignments that we've been given, I'm realizing that I say certain words a lot just as gap fillers anyone who's listening to this has certainly picked up on this and i apologize but you know this this podcast is something that we're doing for fun and it's not something that i'm like scripting but i say like and um all the time and i'm sure i say other things too so i just texted megan earlier to I was about to say to be like, but that's not... <laughs> <laughs> to ask her if she could air horn me when I say these things as gap fillers, you know, only for a little bit. I don't want to be annoying about this, but just during highs and lows, at least. Yeah. And, you know, Lydia, you can hold me to the same standard because you don't, I also you like don't do these. You barely. I mean... You're such a good speaker. I I listen to these podcasts and I'm just like, okay, see there, I did it again. But oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so used to it. I don't even hear it. I'm like, ah! this is how we're still friends. <laughs> I am almost, what would this be like, orally blind to the like and the um, being from Southern California with a valley area code. <laughs> this is my dialect. Well... I'll I'll pull up the app just in case you say it, but you know. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure. That's okay. Funny. Well, Maybe I, should I do sad Trump? <laughs> no, I don't like that. It's too sad. <laughs> it's too sad. Uh, listeners, we tell you this at the outset of this episode, so as not to frighten you. By maybe having you think that this is now an institution in our podcast. No, no, it's just an experiment. It's an experiment, and I hope that you can laugh with us. And perhaps you can call out your own if one of us misses it. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Please do, actually. Yeah. An experiment in operant conditioning. (laughs) Very good. So, um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't even... Lydia. (laughs) We might not even make it to highs and lows at this point. I'll be silent the whole time. And you... (laughs) No, but... uh... No! (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we start with lows? Okay, I'll kick it off. All right. Leon, my dog, ate my banana bread. I made banana bread yesterday. I had acquired eight nearly turned bananas and I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to eat all of these bananas in time so what did I do I made banana bread and this banana bread was the best banana bread I've ever had I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back and give myself several accolades for this particular loaf because I think that it was better than like 
<laughs> than Starbucks banana bread. It was so good. And I had a piece and Adam had a piece. And this morning before I left for school, I cut Brittany a piece and my other friend and classmate MJ a piece, which left more than half a loaf of this bread to be eaten. And yeah. I came home and Adam looked at me and said, guess what Leon did today? And I thought immediately, I don't know, went on a lovely walk, like yeah. napped all day. And he said, he ate all of the banana bread. He, he took the banana bread off the counter, took it into our bed, which is his favorite like snack location, oh, much to my dismay. Bread. Yeah. He takes like things that he, I don't know, like loves. I said light again. Damn it. Um, <laughs> ah! And he eats them in our bed or he'll or he'll nuzzle them or nestle them he'll frequently just drag things into our bed and i don't know covet them aggressively so anyway i don't have any more banana bread or i didn't and now i have to make another loaf and it was just you know when you've been like looking forward to something all day and then yeah. it's not there yeah and this dog is so cute but oh anywho now? are you that's my loaf you're probably out of bananas. You can't even make more. Yeah, you're just gonna it's... have to go the rest of the week without I, banana bread. <laughs> I'm I I'm gonna have to figure something out. It'll <laughs> yeah. it'll be okay though. It'll be okay. Um, Drat, what's your low? My low. I I kind of like your low because it almost indicates that everything else was better than not getting to eat part of a loaf of bread. I don't want to minimize your low. But I was going to say, do not that? downplay this loaf of banana bread. <laughs> okay. okay. I take it back. I take it back. It just, it just sounds like a, a good sign. Maybe. Yes. My low is uh, just a sense of dread about the legal <laughs> writing that I have to do this semester. This is hmm. not anything imminent. Uh, from this week but I'm realizing that the first week of the semester I spent editing my assignment from last semester so I could use it as a writing sample in job applications oh, okay I have a you know memos due for actual legal writing class which I was expecting but my civil procedure class has two papers due over the course of the semester mm -hmm. my criminal law class has a paper due mid-semester and my constitutional law class is a 24-hour take-home where it's expected that we will write you know 15 pages essay of an essay yeah so it's that's just, a lot of writing yeah and it's more fair because to not have everything right on a final so i can't be mad about it it's good to have more data points in theory, but I don't mm -hmm. think I'm very good at it. And I know I should have a growth mindset about it. I, but I really don't really have a fixed mindset about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that mindset is dread. Yes. Yes, exactly. I'm sorry, buddy. That sucks. That's okay. Also, it's not, I'm just that so is a it's just... lot of legal writing. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, there's a reason we start with lows because it can only go up from there, right? Yes. 
Yeah. Although my high has part of a low in it as well. Usually we try to spin the lows to be a little high at the end, but my high unfortunately kind of ends with a low, which is this. The high is that I've been cooking really good food lately. I made some grits that I think were some of my best this weekend. Very creamy, just really good grits. And I've made a barley soup and a like instant pot lasagna that were both very good. I'm realizing I have not mm-hmm. shared the food prep calendar on the blog. I just shared it on my Facebook. So <laughs> I have to do that. I'm really going to do it this time, guys. <laughs> I really am. But the food from that has been good. And also got good food at the Soulard Farmer's Market, a very cool farmer's market in St. Louis that my friend Nicole, who I mentioned in episode six, because she has a YouTube channel, Life as a Law Student, all one word. She picked me up. She was like, you got to go. So we did that as a little outing this weekend. It was fun. The low is that the butcher at the (laughs) farmer's market has a sign on the outside that's like, yes, we also sell raccoon. And I love raccoons. So I was like, no, no. Oh, man. That there's other stuff there. (laughs) Raccoon meat? Yes, not pet raccoons, which would be great. Would it be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you oh, seen my... raccoon on Instagram? I mean, yeah. What a delight. What a delight. I think I think our our listener and mutual friend Katie Gray actually turned us on to some raccoon content <laughs> <Yeah>. on Instagram <laughs> years ago, many moons ago. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. That sucks too. You know, I just I just kept walking. I was like, you know. Yeah, sometimes you just have to opt out, you know? It's part of life. You look at that, you say, raccoon meat, <coughs> not for me. Great no, for some, <laughs> not for me. Yeah. Well, um my oh, dang it. I'm buzzing <laughs> myself now. Do you hear this? Yeah, I said like maybe three times and you didn't notice. Did I, you? Oh, I've really kind of kept a like clean ear for thumbs. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, I have an in-between low and high. I have a meh. Uh, and see how I transitioned that? <laughs> From an um <laughs> to an and. As much as I try, I just can't seem to hold myself accountable to these hour-by-hour schedules. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, you will know that I had a very lofty organizational and planning scheme, and I stuck to it for a few weeks. That might even be generous. But it is really, really difficult to schedule your life to the hour, and our Office of of Academic Success swears up and down that you need to make a schedule and stick to it to succeed in law school. And I am having so much trouble doing that. And I kind of am at the point where I'm thinking, all right, my scheduling and planning, it's not hour by hour, but it is really effective. And yeah, you know, I wait. Don't do the hour by hour thing. I, I really want to push back on this. There's no one right way to time manage, manage time. Yeah, and I don't ever find myself cramming or anything like that, so I don't think it's really necessary. But I will say that now that we're a trimester in, what works for me is taking kind of a, a, 
on Sunday, I look at what's due for the week and then I just take it day by day. So today when I woke up, I woke up an hour later than I usually do. And that was not in my hour by hour schedule. (laughs) By the time I woke up, I was already supposed to be doing, you know, review questions for criminal law. And I thought, damn it, (laughs) I haven't even had coffee yet. Uh, But by the time I got to school, I made a plan for what I wanted to get done and I just got it done. So I guess that's my meh. Just feeling as though certain things and habits of mine don't fit into the roadmap to success that we've been given. I definitely empathize despite never trying to do an hour by hour schedule. That would never ever work for me. But I did over the weekend experiment with doing all of my reading over the weekend so that I could use the week to review class notes and do legal research and that kind of thing. How is that Uh, working so far? I was just able to get through maybe 80% of the reading for uh, over a three-day weekend for a four-day like week of classes. So the math does not check out in terms of ever being able to do that on a two-day weekend for five days worth of classes with some kind of rest day. Yeah. So I don't actually know if that will work, but maybe I can at least use some time I've freed up from reading to do productive stuff this week, but it's not sustainable. I, I don't know how to do this sustainably still, still haven't figured that out. Yeah, I actually, I met with an academic fellow this past week just to get insight on the two professors that I have this trimester. And we ended up talking about effective study methods. And I said, I am still, you know, I'm 28 years old. I've been in school for so long. (laughs) (laughs) And I still don't know what works for me. And she just kind of shook her head knowingly and said, I don't think anyone does. And if they did, they'd be selling that answer. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, yeah, I think right. that's why I want to push back against your office of academic success saying that you have to have an hour by hour schedule, you know? Thank you. And also yeah. just to, just to throw like a touch of shade. It's like, <laughs> it's actually, it's, 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 it's nice shade, but I went to, um, I said, um, I went to, the it was a workshop called the learning cycle revisited and it was all about scheduling your time effectively and they put up on the board a an example schedule and i was scouring it trying to like find when the reading time was scheduled in ah. and i raised my hand cuz i couldn't find it anywhere i raised my hand and said excuse me i am not seeing any time blocked out for reading on this schedule and the professor said, oh, no, there it is right there on Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. There, That's your reading time. And yeah, I, right. And I, I looked around and I was like, surely nobody buys this, right? That might be one chapter. Right. One chapter. It takes me so long because it's not as though you're just reading. It's not a You're novel. reading to understand. You're yes. taking notes. You're doing practice problems. It takes four ever yes i think anyway i I, it would be interesting to actually get the data on this to self-evaluate but i think i'm about five minutes of 
per page. I would probably, I would be right about there too, is my bet. It's just a lot. I have a meh as well. All right. So last week I was describing how the setup for cold calling in my crim law class is like 20 minute hot seat. Yes. So that was me today. Oh my. (laughs) I'm not counting it as a low because I did okay in terms of knowing some of the answers, not all of them. Some things I, I read it, but I couldn't remember, or it was hard for me to scan the page fast enough to find the answer that he wanted. Uh, but, and, you know, maybe it's not even a, a meh, but it wasn't a low because there were much more confusing cases I could have been called on for. And this case is very, it's Lawrence U, Texas. Um, oh, so okay, okay. It's something that a lot of people already are familiar with. Uh, it's a case about sodomy in Texas. And so the met is just that the very first thing I ever contributed to my class was 20 minutes of talking about sodomy in Texas. Like, you know, it's just not, it's not what I was envisioning for my contribution to class. Sure. So it's fine. You know, sometimes it's just gotta be you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Weird case. I'll link it. I mean, some of the, some of the implications. Yeah, I'll link it. I'll link it. Very good. Well, transitioning to highs, I, and this is a teeny tiny high. It's been a, it's been a decently good week. I mean, if, if the bookends of the week were last Monday sobbing in Dean Duncan's office (laughs) and then today coming home to Leon eating my banana bread, everything in the middle was pretty good. Uh, but today in CRIM, 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 my professor really likes to circulate articles. So while he's teaching, sometimes you'll get a little nudge by the person sitting next to you, and it will be an article in a printed format that's being passed around to look at. And oh, today, distracting, but cool. It is a touch distracting, but he's all about um, the neuroscience behind learning. And I think, I mean, his class for me feels <laughs> very, very scattered. Um, but not in a bad way. There's just so much going on and so many different ways to take in information. Um, it's almost like you feel like he's casting a wide net and just thinking that somebody's going to pick up what he's putting down. I'm so sorry. Do you hear that scratching in the background? Yeah, I just assume it's Harper. It is, but it is so annoying to me. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, air horn no, don't do that. That that's not very kind. <laughs> she's like when I when I let her in the room, she wants out. When she's out, she wants in. Anyway, so he's circulating the, this article, and it's all about first generation law students. And uh, at the bottom of it was a link to a blog, and the blog is called Law Prof Blog. So L A W P R O F B L A W G. Okay. And the, the byline underneath that was, this is an anonymous blog that is authored by the, or a professor at a top 100 law school. So I, I immediately go to this website when I'm out of class. And it is so funny. I, it is the ramblings and really kind of witty musings of this person who, you don't know who they are, um, but it just got me thinking, 
oh, this is, there's, there's hope. I can continue to be funny and fun and like poke fun at the whole pomp and circumstance of law while still paying it the respect it deserves. Yeah. Look at this professor, okay. you know? Yeah. I want to read it. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Anybody who is interested should go law prof blaug, like daug, D-A-W-G, <laughs> dot wordpress.com. <laughs> I'm on his page. He's got a list. It, it's for law professors, it looks like, who are at a, a law professor conference. Yeah, so, the, so a the lot of A-A-L-S his tips aren't, aren't, is... re- aren't applicable, but one of them is very funny to me. Bring oven mitts to any, quote, hot topic, end quote, program. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's I had applicable to, to any conference. I would say that all of this content is applicable to any conference. In fact, I had to look up what the so that his first blog post on the page it starts with. Do you sometimes get bored at AALS, which is the American Association for Law Schools? I had to look that up. Mm. Here are some tips for making sure that your AALS adventure is as exciting as mine tend to be. And he just goes on to say, just write some really ridiculous things. Um, oh, he, number 28. Read it. As you walk by the bar area, yell loudly, loudly, OMG, OMG, I passed the bar. <laughs> That's so <laughs> oh, cringe, but so good. It's it's amazing. Um during a breakout session, try to spin on the carpet, apologize, and say you misread it as a breakdance session. Oh. Okay, <laughs> let's link to this because yeah. there's so many. There's a lot of good there's content 40. there. <laughs> and that was just a nice little gem in my week. That's great. You found that in a footnote, you said? Yeah, it was at the bottom of an article about first-generation law students, which I could find and we could link that to. Cool. Yeah. That's great. So what's your high? I, it was just cooking good food and going to the farmer's market. I, I transitioned from low to high and That's forgot right. about mess and. Yeah. We're all over the place. Yeah. Cause Fair. I'm thinking so much about not saying like, or um, I sound weird. Well, okay. we are officially done with highs and lows. So Great. I am going to put the air horn away and we are both now <laughs> exempt from the punitive measures <laughs> that we imposed you, for just you didn't, a little you were, bit. You were so, so lenient on me. Thank you. You are welcome. You did a very good job. I don't think <sighs> you butted once. And if somebody says otherwise, they can rebut <laughs> my claim <laughs> and write into us. Uh, so what is the, what is the, the topic of the day? Ah, yes. The topic of the day. <laughs> ah, so, um, tomorrow I am taking my tour of the Guilford County Jail, which is required of all 1L students at Elon. And in preparation, I, of course, am, I have Googled it and discovered, I mean, this is so stupid, um, but when you Google it, you discover that people have written Google reviews as though the what jail the were, I know. <laughs> as though it were like a restaurant or a department store it's it's what kind of reviews are we talking about? so the reviews the reviews are literally either one star or five stars uh surprise surprise um but one star makes sense i know right but there are people that are giving it five star reviews saying you know things along the lines of 
Well, actually, one person said, if you've got to be incarcerated, this is the place to be. Five stars. <laughs> wow. The bet, like, there are there have been so few times in my life that I've been compelled to write a review about something. <laughs> and I can't help but kind of impose my own value set onto a situation that I would write a Google review. And so people who write reviews of jails or national parks, I can't help mm. but, like, roll my eyes at them. I... Like a couple of years ago, someone had linked something on Facebook to the funniest national park reviews. And uh, I actually went back and found it today. And it, someone gave the Grand Canyon one star because the views were just okay. And there was no Wi-Fi, so they couldn't <laughs> post photos on Snapchat. And there that's kind of... Wi-Fi in the... <laughs> I think that these people, though, the these, like, reviewers, I'm yeah. going to call them quote-unquote reviewers, are all cut from the same cloth. Um. So, anyway, there were about 20 Google reviews of the Guilford County Jail. And some of them were very earnest and said things, like, actual qualms that they had with maybe an intake process that they themselves went through or the mishandling of a call uh, that they placed and kind of being like given the roundabout. Um, mm -hmm. So I was just, my, my intention with Googling it was to kind of get a sense of maybe what it was going to be like in there. Because to be honest, I've never been in a jail or a prison. And it's funny because when I began to reflect on that and come to the realization that I never had, I, was confronted with the fact that I felt as though I had been at one because of all the media I consume. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, you watch enough Orange is the New Black, you're like, yeah, I've done time. Like, I know what it's like in there. I know what to expect. But I truly, I don't know what to expect. So I've, yeah. I'm, I've been gearing up for that. Yeah. The reviews are an interesting place to start. <laughs> I, I was just what? thinking, like, the... One star reviews. At first, I was like, "Oh, how horrible that you know." There's not a. They don't have the people who are reviewing don't feel like they have a better way to express this. And then I thought, uh, uh, it could be a really good strategy to like publicly shame them. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like when people pop off on Facebook and like tag entities. Yes, you know? and the Twitter, like I've been on the tarmac for six hours or whatever. It, yes. it, it works, yeah. And that's so interesting to kind of tie this back to criminal law. You know, one of the purposes of criminal law is, I mean, it's a lot of retribution and deterrence, but another part of it is sh like a shaming element. You know, that's why they have things like Megan's list, which for those of you who don't know, is the list of sex offenders in your area. And that has a couple different purposes. You know, one is so that the general public can be kept aware. But another one is, you know, there's a certain deterrence element thinking like, oh, well, I would never want to like accidentally be get on that list for doing something like public indecency. Uh, now, all of a sudden, my name is on a sex offender list. Mm. Um so yeah, there is there is sort of that that piece of of shaming or public calling out that happens in the review section. There's definitely times when those things come into conflict too. The retributive motivation versus rehabilitative motivation, you know? The USC. I know. Yeah. I want you to do you have like more thoughts on that? Well, just that jails and prisons are places where 
they're they're so punitive. Yeah. But at the same time, they're like, oh, well, we have this program where you can become better, you know, while better to our standard, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, they're they're in conflict. Like, if you really wanted to rehabilitate people, you'd probably not do these punitive things, you know. Yeah. Put them, sequester them, put them in confined spaces. I can't imagine what that would do to somebody's morale. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, so I, <laughs> for better or for worse, I started my research with the Google review yes. section. <laughs> and then, but then I, 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 I popped over to the Guilford County Sheriff's website. And when you go there, you're met with this sort of beta looking interactive web web page that has the names and pictures and stats on criminals who are all wanted. And then off to the right, there's a running list of sex offenders that scrolls. Um, and then at the center of the page, there's an inmate inquiry where you can actually look up any inmate and get info on what their charge is and their arrest date. Uh, but at the top of the page, there are all these different clickable links. And so you can click the daily bulletin, or like sex offender searches. And I was actually intrigued because one of the clickable links was to a community calendar, which okay. I thought like, what, who, is the community like invited to come hang out? I don't understand. I what was on it. there? It's com- nothing. There's, it was completely blank. <laughs> there are no community events, which uh-huh. felt sort of obvious, but yeah. telling at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. I'm so, I don't mean to like keep talking, but I no. I'm interested because we this is actually something that um, our WashU has like a coffee with the dean hour, and I brought this idea up. I didn't even know that places like Elon had organized these for their students, but I just brought this idea to her, like, hey, before we take Crim, we really need to go take a tour. It could be optional, but people need to have the option of going to see um, a prison or a jail. And it's not, it's something that does need to be organized (laughs) better or to be organized by an institution. So um, she said like, yeah, we'll do that. And here I am taking crim and we haven't done that, but maybe it's something they'll do during orientation next year. But I think this is really important. So I'm just listening to you without interrupting too much because I want to know how the program works. Like what kind of um, like info have you've done all this research on your own, but what is your class? Like what is your professor kind of primed you with? So honestly, not much. This, yeah. So the jail visit is in conjunction with my criminal law course and the criminal lab, the criminal law lab that I'm taking. Um, And our criminal law lab professor has really primed us only by saying, you know, in the past, and this is not, this is not meant as a slight against her. I think that she's probably purposefully vague. So that way we can gather all of our own takeaways right, right. but she said you know come dress conservatively ladies don't wear anything low cut and I hate to say that because it's very sexist but don't wear anything low cut and just be prepared because people in the past have found this to be kind of um, a little bit emotionally nerve-wracking um, or yeah. otherwise unpleasant 
And so <laughs> that, I thought, whoa, that in my mind, I knew that we were going to be doing this, but I thought it was going to be really cursory and we weren't going to have really much interaction with inmates at all. But a couple cohorts have already gone and I've heard people sort of buzzing about it. And I heard one person say it was much louder than they thought it was going to be and that people were yelling at them. And I heard another person say that they were taken aback by how like seemingly disrespectful the, the person leading the, the quote unquote tour was to the inmates. Um, And I, I gotta tell you, after doing my my little research on the jail, which is not something I needed to do for class, just I was curious. Yeah. And then overhearing these conversations, I just got to feeling really apprehensive about the whole thing. And it's sort of, it's a two-part feeling because on the one hand, it is a lawyer's duty to understand the repercussions of the system that they're working within. And if I were to decide to look away from these parts or to be otherwise, um, to make, to, to just like make myself unaware, willfully unaware, that would be the worst thing I could do. And that would be such a side effect of the privileged position I'm in. Like I have the option to look away, which is just gross. Um, But the other part of my feeling is just, I'm, I'm feeling anxious and kind of self-conscious about the idea of walking around a jail. Like I'm a horrible tourist, (laughs) like some attraction that has some serious moral qualms associated with it. And the idea of being able to come and go from a place that human beings are literally confined in yeah. many of them just because of circumstance or not having the same resources that I do. I feel embarrassed. Like I'm going to be walking around and I'm able to leave whenever I want. And I'm like wearing a suit and I'm studying people mm. or the, or maybe I'm like, I'm supposed to be staring at them and studying them and, it just, ugh, it does not sit well. I got to tell you. Yeah, that I that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. It, but we got to go see jails and prisons because it right now is the end point of laws. Even like mm-hmm. a contract. Okay, if you break a contract, maybe you'll have to pay. What if you don't pay? Then your stuff is going to get seized. What if you like? What if you yeah. resist them seizing your stuff? You go to prison. Like anything, you just trace it down, and like someone could go to prison. Yeah, this is like Any the baseline mom. of the funnel, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I have volunteered in a prison before. I'll hold off on talking about what I thought it was like because it's a different prison name. Because like I don't want to project onto you. But the program I was volunteering with, I do want to advertise a little in case people are listening who are like, whoa, Megan's right, before law school. I would also like to have experiences in prisons to see what is going on there. Um, I was a TA, teacher assistant, for a political philosophy class in a prison, MCI Norfolk which has a degree-granting university program run by Boston University. So I was a 
BU professors TA in a class there. And that is so cool. I, <laughs> whoa, I'm going to be looking up the equivalent in North Carolina. Yeah, it's this program that matches volunteers with professors um, is for that person, at least it was called the PD Green program. Mm-hmm. I will definitely link to it on the blog. And it's not everywhere in the US, but there are similar programs. Um, but I really think that that type of volunteer work is, I mean, first of all, education. Everyone should have access to higher education who wants it. Certain education programs, certain programming in prison is is limited to people who are going to be released someday. And mm. this program is not. It's for anyone, even if you're always going to be um, serving a sentence. So I think that's great. It's like, yeah, anyone who wants to just learn, they should be able to do that. And then for... So that's why I want to support that kind of program. And then for me, I feel like I got a lot out of being in a situation where the conversations were around a text and around like political theory um, and philosophy. And it Mm -hmm. just has nothing to do with any, any of the students or my or the professors, like individual pasts or what we have or haven't done in life. It's just like, what do you think about you know, justice in this very abstract sense, not to do with like anyone's situation. And you just get to know people like, how do I describe this? Okay. There's the Brian Stevenson quote of, you know, you're, you're more than the worst thing you've ever done. And gosh, yeah, it's a very good point. Yet it's hard to be in a position where you get to know other, the parts of the other parts of people that aren't the worst thing when you're doing legal work uh, with with people. Like you're doing legal work often in people's worst moments. <laughs> yeah, like people don't come to you when everything's sunshine and roses. Right. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not in law school yet, um, this is actually kind of an amazing time for you to get to know people that you might be working with someday in a different capacity. So that is my pitch for PD Green. If you're in Boston, um, the PD Green program at Norfolk is really interesting. This is a, uh, Norfolk is like a little different because it was designed by sociologists and they have more programming there than in other prisons, including their debating society. And I just want to read this quote from Daniel S. Throop on the Marshall Project website, which I'll link to, but quote, Back in the day, the Norfolk Debate Society was the stuff of legend, with a pedigree that included the great Malcolm X as a member. It was such a dominant force in debate from 1933 to 1966. It compiled a win-loss record of 144-8. to eight Whoa! Against some of the best college teams across the Northeast. End quote. That's like MIT, Harvard. They even debated against Oxford. It was nuts. So that's just an aside. The prison itself is obviously a horrible place because it's a prison. Uh, but <laughs> I, in terms of architectural observations and, and that kind of thing, I'll wait till you go. But yeah. Lydia, that's whoa. my ramble about that. <laughs> I So a couple, couple thoughts. Yeah. Um, one, and I want to say this before I forget it. For anyone who's listening and is looking for a book wreck, Brian Stevenson's Just Mercy 
is what was required reading for me before I started law school. And you probably have seen that the movie Just Mercy came out. I don't care which order you do it in. See the movie or read the book or both. So good. And Lydia, I love that you pulled that quote from, from his novel because I think I highlighted it and started and boxed it. It's just, it's so good. Um, but the question that I had for you was, as a TA in this class, what were your responsibilities and what level of interaction did the people you were working with, like how much, how much interaction did you have as a TA? Because I mean, as a college student, I rarely interacted with my TAs, I feel. Oh, uh, I'm wondering like what the, what the difference is. Great question. Before I forget, I also want to plug another Brian Stevenson thing, <laughs> <laughs> which is that um, the museum and the memorial in Alabama are very, very powerful. I went there before when I was like not sure about going to law school and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's not I very eloquent. But I, rem I remember you telling me about it yeah. and it, I put it at the top of my to travel to list. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Brian Stevens is great. Moving on from uh, fangirling. So as a TA, I my primary responsibility was grading papers, which is not done in the classroom. So that doesn't really answer your question, but that was like the bulk of my time. And um, if you're thinking of like a college classroom and what it might be like in a prison setting, the students, my students didn't have access to... Um, internet for research, which in political philosophy is kind of okay. You know, you just think about the texts a lot, mm -hmm. but huge hindrance for other kinds of classes. There are so many online supplements that I use <laughs> in my legal yeah. education. So um, handwritten papers um, and let's see, in class, I was like kind of there on the side listening to a lot of the lectures <laughs> um, until it was discussion time. And sometimes folks would come up and ask me questions. Like I had done the reading before. And so I was supposed to be a little bit more knowledgeable, but often I would get questions that I couldn't really answer. <laughs> uh, but there are certain things that I could, you know, look up at home and come back and give more help with just because I had access to the internet. Um, and then I also taught one of the classes. I did a lecture on uh, like the history of eugenics in the US and like the philosophy around it. And then our professor <laughs> assigned, <laughs> had the students write papers arguing for eugenics. It was like- what. Yeah, just a just as a challenge. Okay, okay, okay. After yeah, I gave my entire lecture on like, this is the political philosophy about around it. Um, yeah, but why should we nuts. use eugenics as a tool? For yeah, these. it was nuts. Um, but there is a, a big overlap between like eugenics and incarceration, so it was relevant. Uh, but gosh, I'm trying to think of what else I did. I not much else. I mean, I was kind of just there as a resource. Okay. Yeah. Well. That, I mean, even just, I did not know about P.D. Green before this conversation. And hearing about it makes me think perhaps another option for me for the summer <laughs> could be volunteering and doing something like that. If North Carolina has 
uh, an equivalent. That to me sounds like so much better than working at a law firm or getting, <laughs> I mean, really though, yeah, learning about it from the ground up truly. Yeah. I think also that experience would definitely be invaluable, but we'll see. We'll see how the cards fall. Yeah. Is there anything else that you've been thinking about in terms of your visit or in terms of prison or? Well, I mean, I was thinking about it, obviously, big picture, but then I was, I was trying to sit down and do a little bit of a, a, a pre-visit brainstorm, for lack of a better word, about what kind of, what I think it's going to be like inside the prison and oh sorry jail it is not a prison so yeah maybe if you could as an aside just give us a little breakdown of the difference between those okay yeah because see how i accidentally just used it interchangeably (laughs) they are not at all interchangeable and until law school if i'm being honest i only had a hazy understanding of the difference so jails are run by local law enforcement and can be thought of as more of like a holding facility for people while they await trials or sentencing Whereas prisons are run by the state and federal government or, unfortunately, private companies that make deals with state or federal governments. And prisons are where people go to serve their sentences. So after the court has already proven them to be criminals, they get sent to a prison to ride out their sentence. Um, North Carolina has about 55 prisons, and I think Missouri has 22-ish. So... Uh. Yeah, it is so Ah. much more than I thought. (laughs) Uh. And, you know, growing up in California, there were a lot of prisons that are off the the I-5, which is the big freeway that runs all the way from San Diego to Canada. And in California, on the 5 freeway, you know there's nothing for miles and miles and miles in either direction. But every so often, you'd see kind of a speck in the far off distance and there would be an off ramp sign and it would say so-and-so state prison. And I, you can't help but drive by and go, that looks like the most miserable place on earth. Like it's just this big concrete structure dropped down in the middle of this barren wasteland. Oh, anyway, I got realizing I should, I should amend what I said about how it can be hard to get to know people outside of the context of, people in their worst moments obviously people who are friends and family with people who are incarcerated like know people in more complete ways so I, I think I was unconsciously speaking assuming that the audience listening to this don't know people who are incarcerated and that's there's so many people who are incarcerated yeah that, well, that is like not necessarily the case obviously so okay good just, amendment, just but realizing also, that minutes but, later I think give yourself a little bit of grace because in the context of us you and me and our education in jails or prisons, we are obviously thinking about this from a lawyer's perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. I forgive you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I wrote down a couple, a couple things that I, that I sort of expect the, the jail might be like inside. And I have, for whatever reason, smell is a thing that I, take away I think of first and I take away the most and the hardest um for example when I was in the fourth grade I decided not to be friends with 
somebody because they smelled like peanut, but like wet peanut butter, which, which was a smell that I was really familiar with because my brother would make peanut butter sandwiches and then not wash the knife that he used, but put it in the sink to soak. It is such a unique and disgusting smell. And then Did I you also ever find out what the deal was. Like, are they okay? Oh, they're fine. They just <laughs> were wet and had peanut butter for lunch. I just, it was a smell that I couldn't, I couldn't cope with. Huh. And it's actually a smell that I, in my most like furious uh, moments, swore that, you know, everybody at a summer camp would smell that way. So no, I didn't want to go to summer camp. Everybody smells <laughs> like wet peanut butter. Anyway, <laughs> that is such an so aside. like, what's the worst like okay prisons are horrible so what do they smell like probably wet peanut butter that's interesting <laughs> i like that well it's my so i actually the first thing i wrote down was i think that the that the that the jail is gonna smell like chemicals and cafeteria food uh mm. because so there are 700 approximately people living in this jail and it's not a huge facility it's really taller than it is wide it can house up to about a thousand, but they're all living in such close quarters that I'm hoping at least the people that work at the jail take extra precaution to make sure that things are sort of sterile and clean so that, you know, disease or sickness doesn't spread. But then there's also just the human element of it all, you know, the like yeah. needing to eat and like sweating and breathing and things like that. So I think it's going to smell like chemicals and cafeteria food. Uh -huh. That's my first prediction. My second prediction is that whoever is giving us the tour is going to have the rapport and aura of like a principal giving a tour of the school that they preside over. And hear me out. So in a lot of ways, I feel like it's going to be similar. So there's this level of authority and maybe a little bit of fear because in this analogy, all the students are inmates, right? And the principal is like the guard. So this principal guard figure has the ability to both be friendly if you comply with them or punitive if you disobey. So mm -hmm. I expect to sense a lot of like fear-based quasi-respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I imagine we're gonna we're gonna walk in. There's probably gonna be some sort of metal detector. We're gonna get maybe patted down, and then we're gonna get walked oh, through. Yeah, yeah. I bet it's I bet it's really heavily policed. Obviously, yeah. There's like multiple like locking doors, and one time I wore pants. I mean, I always wore pants that were like two sizes too large, and like a shirt that was too. I don't know. It, oh, we had to wear loose fitting clothes, and. Like, I had pockets that were too big one time. And they're like, you can never wear these pants here again. It's like, Whoa. oh, my God. It's, it's dehumanizing to even be a visitor. Oh, my I goodness. I, I, told you, I said I wouldn't project onto you, so I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Because we can do this kind of debrief and compare and contrast next week. So I'm going to stop. Wow. Okay. So I'll leave my hammer <laughs> pants at home. <laughs> Dang it. That was my, my go-to outfit number one. Okay, so that's actually, now I'm like second guessing. Anyway, I'll do that offline. I'm um, so glad that you're doing this pre, like, because so many people who haven't been to prisons, it might be hard for you in the future to like remember what it's like and what the misconceptions are or, you know, 
just to connect with people so you can always reread this and know your thoughts before you had ever been. That's exactly what I was hoping. I nice. thought because I'm I'm also I'm writing it all down and talking about it on this podcast so that I can reflect and look back and say, oh, I was so wrong. I'm hoping at least I was wrong in in ways that are favorable. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Anyway couple more things. I imagine that the inmates are going to be bunked in rooms of two to four. Uh, and I only say that because of all the movies and right. Orange is the New Black <laughs> that I watched. But there's going to be, you know, a room with a very small amount of space for sleeping and maybe with a toilet, a sink, however you cut the cake, zero privacy, and maybe uh, a, ver- a sliver of daylight from a very long, skinny rectangular window. I know that the that the jail in downtown Los Angeles is like that, so I'm kind of mm. pulling from that. Um, yeah. So that those were my those were my thoughts on what it was going to smell like, what it was going to look like, what it was going to feel like. And okay. Well, we will definitely compare after you go. Then yeah, we'll have to. You'll all have to tune in next week so I can tell you exactly how it went. Yeah. And you can tell them, and we can, and yeah, we can cross compare my experience with your experience. Yeah, I'll have to remember back. I, I never got a full tour. I only ever went to the classroom, but I kind of saw the campus as I walked across, so from the outside. Oof. But, okay, well. All right. Ah, stuff's happening. Okay, Stuff cool. Stuff is happening. Is there anything else we want to talk about? I, when you were talking about summer stuff and maybe. Uh, volunteering over the summer I just remembered another <laughs> another just meh thing that happened to me this week uh-huh. was so I spent a, a really long time doing this job application on Friday and it's a firm that has offices in multiple cities so I kind of shot them off into cities that I don't even have any connection to mm-hmm. um, and I've already been rejected from one of those cities which, which city New York I, and I, I don't really want to live in New York but I just thought eh, you know eh, why not good riddance um but <laughs> it's not a low, it's just a meh, because it's just so nice to be told to be rejected promptly. I am yes. now holding out no, there's no space in my potential future for that now. It's just gone. It's done. It's fine. You know, that's so, it's such a relief. It's I can so imagine. Quick. What a quick turnaround. Friday yeah. to whatever, Tuesday, whatever day it is. <laughs> Yeah, and it occurs to me that it's January. So if you are listening to this podcast and you have taken the LSAT and sent all of your applications out, you're probably in the agonizing waiting oh, game right it's now. Oh, the worst. So oh, we thoughts send you our- and prayers <laughs> to all of you. It's the worst. Yeah. They're like, oh, we'll let you know in uh, four to ten weeks. Oh. Great. Great. <laughs> well, so good vibes to all. Good vibes to all. And to all, a good night. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Right on. All right. Bye. Bye.